Good morning, Rock Bible Church. You guys recover yet? Where's Where's my Niner fans? Okay, are are you okay? Okay, because I got some concerns just from the sheer number of text messages I got last Sunday afternoon. Right? It's not worth living anymore. But no. Ah, uh, I I what what really confuses me is you you should have known better. Nobody goes to Vegas and wins. What's the next line? Ask the Raiders. Thank you. Ask the Raiders. They haven't won in ages, anyways. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Lord's house. Amen. Uh, there's many places you could be on a Sunday morning. There's many places others are being this Sunday morning. You, my friend, are in the house of the Lord. Amen. Or you're watching the house of the Lord on TV, which that's good too, because uh, you're like a surrogate house of the Lord at home. Uh, I got some advice for you. If you throw out your back and you start to feel better, don't go for a bike ride with your wife. Just a thought, okay? Um, <clears throat> so we're, I'm going to fake my way through it today, <laughs> but I will be moving in <laughs> symmetry <laughs> carefully. As we go through the book of John in our series, I love that bumper video. I feel like every week I see something new and different in it. Um, Today we're gonna we're gonna be in John chapter six. Uh, John chapter six is seventy umpteen verses long. We're just gonna do the first thirty-five. How's that? Um, and there's a um, there's a lot of arguments as to where passages start and finish. Uh, if if you understand that um, John wrote a letter, it wasn't in chapters. All those numbers in your, they're, they're not in the original John letter. There's no chapter six. There's just a story. And so we're going to break at a um, place, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat next week. I'm going to do up through 35 today, and then next week I'm going to start with 35. So any of you who are like, oh, you, you went through 35. Why, are you, why don't you start with 36? Well, to make sure we hit context and keep the flow going because some thought that all of chapter six was supposed to be a group together um, and what I want us to remember is uh, is a very exciting time in the story because Jesus is on the scene he's public he's done his first uh, miracles he started to teach disciples he's having interactions with people John the Baptist is pointing at him from a distance or up close and saying there he is um, and the and the game is starting to change and we're going to get two of our, uh, well, probably very famous stories. And we're going we're gonna to bulk them together and we're going to run like the wind. Amen? All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for, uh, thanks for you. Pray that we would see today that is the point of the passage. And there are a lot of distractions and a lot of things that go on in the passage, just like in our lives. And I, I pray, Lord, I trust that you would uh, help us refocus, set aside the things 
that easily distract, that we would seek, reach out, grip, and hold on to you. May that be our time this morning in your word. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. You know, when, you, when you're about to start playing your sport, take all your stuff out of your pockets because it's game time, right? Sorry, I'm a little bit weird, but then <laughs> if you're here, you probably already know that. Um, chapter 6, verse 1, here we go. Uh, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So he just went across the Sea of Galilee. It's really a lake. Any, anybody been to? Yes, okay. You can see the other side. Most seas that I see, you can't see the other side, right? It's, it's, um, it's kind of Lake Tahoe-ish, maybe a little bit bigger than Lake Tahoe. Don't get technical with me, okay? We'll call you right, pretend we had an argument, you're right. I'm just trying to get a sense of, there's this little bit of distance they've got to go. also called the Sea of Tiberias, a large crowd was following him because they saw the... They saw the signs. They saw the miracles that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming, he says to Philip, uh, where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat? I love this. Because I like to say the most important question of the day is, what's for lunch? And now I have a verse. Jesus apparently thinks that uh, food is important and hunger, and I, I'm pretty sure he was around when the whole design was made. Eating is part of it, how we sustain. And he says, look, um, we, got, we got a logistical problem here. Right, which I love this uh, when people you know there's some Christians <clears throat> who believe that we should just follow the Spirit wherever it leads. We don't need to make a plan. Just we're just gonna go with it. Okay, I get that. I love that the Lord leads in mysterious ways. Amen. Does He always do it that way? Say no. Um, does He plan stuff? Yeah, look at the very beginning of the, of the book. He broke it down into six projects. And he was the project manager. He planned stuff, right? He is into logistics. It's okay for us to plan as Christians. Yes. Well, I thought the Scripture said that, let us not say that today or tomorrow we will go to such and such and down and conduct business. And da, da, da. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, then we will do this or that. Okay, great, Will. Why don't you have a plan as you do that? Or have some kind of sense. Track something. I love that he does this. He says, hey, uh, these, these people are going to get hungry. What are we doing here? Now, even better, watch this uh, next uh, verse 6. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. That's called a smirk sentence. Right? Jesus is smirking. I, I would introduce this uh, idea last week. I think there's times in Jesus' ministry where he's, he's about to do something or he walks into a, a scenario and he's, I think he must have had a little smirk on his face because he knew what was coming, but he was trying to keep a straight face. 
just to play it out, right? What's about to happen? He's going to feed them all, right? He knew that's what's happening. You know what's about to happen, right? Philip answered him, well, uh, 200 denarii worth of bread, that, even that wouldn't be enough for each to get just a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, um, there's a kid here, a couple lo- five loaves and two fish. What's, what's Andrew doing there? Yeah, he, he's, so uh, Philip is like, um, there's, no, there's no way. Not, not even have 200 denarii. Uh, it's not going to work, right? Andrew comes in on the flip side and says what? Well, we have something. There's, there's a great lesson right there, your relationship with the Lord. You can go with the pessimist, oh, it'll never work, and I don't know if he's real, and I don't know if he is real, if he hears me, and if he did exist and heard me would he actually do something about it and if he did something about it would it actually be good i mean you could be that guy or you could say oh, let's try let's play we're supposed to lose but let's give it a shot and see what happens i love um what happens this is functional faith andrew says well yeah philip's probably right when it comes to math and did we say that Jesus was into logistics? Philip is too. And what's Andrew say? Well, yeah, but sometimes you got to go with the Spirit, maybe. Right? Scott, you just contradicted yourself. No, I added color. Right? Um, there's a boy here but what, with the five loaves and two fishes, uh, but what's that for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Does he answer the question? Because isn't that a question? Andrew asks a question. Jesus doesn't answer the question. He says, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. That's probably a commentary on it was a good place to sit. So it was easy for them to sit. So men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they had eaten their fill, he told disciples, gather up the leftover fragments. He told who this? Okay. And the comments earlier about, well, even if we had 200 denarii, and the other one about, well, here's a kid with some fish and some loaves. Who said those two things? Disciples. Okay. Have disciples in the front of your brain? Okay. This one's tough. I know you're going to want to say Jesus. But I'm asking a question, and the answer is not Jesus. Ready? How many disciples were there? Okay, good. Nobody said Jesus, all right? Except for Heitzman. He's up in Idaho watching, I'm pretty sure. He um, says, gather up uh, all the fragments so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12, 12 baskets. Where did they get the Look at this guy. He wants to know where they got the baskets. There was much grass in that area, okay? And I'm pretty sure they put you in charge of having to weave all of them, right? Um, why, would, why would it tell us there were 12 baskets there? Wait, because there's 12 disciples? Hmm. How many tribes were there in Israel? What? What's going on there? No. 
Uh, I would like to make a public statement that numerology and scripture, not really a thing for me. There's a little bit of it. I know there's some stuff there. But themes with numbers, I absolutely believe in. 12 is like a perfect number. I have 12 tribes, you got 12 disciples. And, and now these guys are like, well, what, what are we going to eat? And what they have, they're going to give away. And, and Jesus, I think, does a little thing of like, hey, you know, I, I got a basket for each of you. Let's not worry too much about do we have enough money or is this kid's loaves and fish going to be enough to even get us started? I love that. I just love that. It's 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, the sign that he had done, we got to emphasize that for a second because it's going to come up here in a minute. This indeed, that's, this is what they said, this indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. Wow, that's a pretty good statement. Yes or no? Good statement? What's wrong with it? Prophet. I mean, is he a prophet? I mean, he's the best of all time, right? So what's wrong with it? It's like only prophet? Wait, wait. No. There's way more going on here, right? He's prophet, priest, king, son of God. He was there. I mean, there's all kinds of things they could have said, but are they on the right path? They're on the right path. There's just... A little more to go. So they, they kind of got it right, but they don't, you've yet to get full credit, right? Perceiving, verse 15, then, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Uh, common thought back then is that when Messiah came, according to prophecy, he was going to help overthrow and establish a kingdom, and there was going to be a king. Uh, I, I think that's portrayed fairly well in the in the series, The Chosen. If you have watched it or at all, um, if you haven't, highly recommend it. It's entertaining and pretty accurate theologically. But they they pushed this idea that you know they thought they were going to get a king. And when you think the it's the prophet that's come into the world, they start to think, oh, here comes our kingdom. And um, was Jesus about that? Say no. Yeah, he proved it by what he did. He was establishing a different kingdom, right? Uh, a kingdom of spirit. So he, he, he jumps ship, literally, uh, and, and takes off. Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They couldn't find Jesus because he went up into the mountainside, right? Where'd Jesus go? I don't know. Well, what are we doing? I don't know. We're supposed to get over to the other side. I don't know. Might as well leave without him. He'll catch up when he catches up. They got into the boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. All right. Any guesses? What's about to happen? He's going to walk on water. Sea became rough because of a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. They were frightened, but he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Boom, they're at Capernaum. 
What's the simplest way to say what just happened here? Miracle. Miracle. Right? Um, more than one? Yeah. Right? There's a the walk on the water, and then there's the instant transportation of the boat from somewhere in the lake, see, uh, all the way to shore in Capernaum. Verse 22, they just move on. Where's the commentary? Where's the rest? Of, well, there's other uh, Gospels that you can read this story and maybe get a little more uh, of it elsewhere, but it just moves on. You get this story of the loaves and the fish, and then all of a sudden you've got Jesus walking on water and then the boat moving. Are we, are we racking up winds? Racking up miracles? Racking up signs? Okay, good. Three of you believe it. All right. Pass the coffee around. The next day, verse 22, the crowd that remained, see that he had left the crowd on the, I believe it's the east side at that point, uh, of the sea, saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. So they're realizing there's a logistics problem, like where did Jesus go and the disciples left without him? Now watch this. The other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, hey, how'd you get here? We were watching. Are people starting to figure out that there's more going on than they can perceive? This is why they're chasing him, right? Um, and Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you got a free meal. Does he answer the question? No. He doesn't answer the question, right? It's a great question. But you got these, you got food out of it. Are you, are you, you're not here to see signs. There's a couple ways that this could be looked at. Actually, actually, let's get let's get into that when we get to the first filling. Let's move on. Verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Apparently, there's two kinds of food. It's good food and bad food. Or as Julie would say, yummy food and the other stuff. They said to him, uh, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered him, this is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. Whoa. Um, that's, that's a heavy piece of theology right there that's a major boulder i want to make sure we stub our toes on maybe bump our head into maybe get a little concussed with this um, what's the greatest work you could do for god it's not actually a work is it it's not a task item it's a believe him that's kind of weird it, it's kind of like um, some people, you can, you can care less what they do as long as they're nice to you or respectful to you. Hey, you can do whatever you want. Just, just treat me well, right? 
Um, that was for my kids, by the way. Thank you. It's, it's almost like he says, look, I, I, don't, I don't need you to do anything. But I want you to be in a relationship with me. What's kind of awesome about that is of all the works that could be required of you, this is all, like the easiest one. I, what, all I got to do is believe? That's just a change of mindset and, and of heart condition? <sighs> as easy as it gets. And yet, what am I going to say? It's also the hardest thing you can do. Because when you do that one work, all of the rest of your works are changed now. Everything else you spend your time on, think about, feel, observe, want, they change. That's tough because um, we have a want problem. What's the, what's the want problem that we all have? Come on, it's, it's true confession time. What's, what's our want problem? Go super simple. Self. We want self. We want stuff. We, we always want the right thing, though, right? Correct? Okay, good. All right. What would you, what would you do if she wasn't here to answer the questions for you guys? Right? We have this problem that we want one, too much stuff. Two, the wrong stuff. And three, for self. It's like the worst trifecta of all time. We got to make sure that we're, we get that solved. How do you solve it? You believe in Him. You put Him first, and then He starts working the rest of it out. Verse 30, where there's only six verses left. Okay, let's finish strong. Um, so they said to Him then, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? It's a great question. And ignorant as hockey sticks. What? I just told you, you just need to believe. You just told us that we were here for the bread and not for the signs. Well, okay, then we'll be here for the signs. Show us some signs. What? This is where I wonder if my kids went back in time. You know? Prove it is basically what they say. Um, by the way, did he eventually prove it? Yeah, in spades. Right? Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. You know, won't you give us a sign because... We are people of signs. You remember back when we came out of Egypt and we were in the wilderness for 40 years, whatever? They, I, we got manna from heaven. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. That's Scripture. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Moses is the one who wrote what they just quoted. And they're trying to play that card, which is awesome, because who created Moses? Jesus. Right? Because it wasn't Moses who gave the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Ooh. True bread. Mm. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What did He just say? 
you're, you're thinking about bread, and the real bread's a person. It's a he. It's a, change the H to M. It's a me. I'm it. They said to him, they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Right? There's their want problem coming out in a different way. And Jesus said to them, because they missed it, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. By the way, uh, verse 35 right there that we just read, you can kind of tell why we're starting with it next week. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, let's, let's jump into this um, because it sounds like we're buying the wrong bread, or they're trying to buy the wrong bread. Um, there's some great questions in the passage. I think uh, one of the greatest is when Jesus actually asks them, hey, um, we're going to get bread for all these people. Why do I love that question so much? Oh, by the way, if you have a bad back, don't bounce. That was not good. Um, wh why do I love that question? Hey, uh, there's a lot of people here. Uh, hey, disciples, what do you, where are we going to get some bread? Why do I love that so much? It, it is, it, okay, I can identify with it. I would probably say something similar. If I ever got to play the role of Jesus, I would have way too much fun and I would get fired uh, very quickly, immediately. Thank you, Doug, for being accurate. Um, why do I like this so much? Why do I like, hey, uh, where, where are you going to get some bread for them? It's sarcastic, right? Um, did, did Jesus provide the bread? Right? And I love the very next sentence. He, he did this to test them because he knew what he was going to do. Right? Disciples miss it. Well, if we had 200 denarii, and well, his kid has some fish, right? The crowd missed it. The second crowd, when they come back over the sea, missed it. They're all trying to buy the wrong bread. The real bread is Jesus. Amen? And he tries to point it out to them, but they're stuck on their wants. They're stuck on the things they want to see, they want to eat, they want to have. Uh, some of them what they want to know. But don't worry, I know none of us suffer from any of those afflictions. Any of those wants. Sometimes I hate Scripture because I relate to it too much. And it's not the holy parts <laughs> that I relate to. I relate to the missing it. I want miracles. You want a miracle? Oh, you're all liars. What do you mean? Nobody answered. Yes, and that's a lie. Your silence is a lie. You all want miracles. Admit it. Yes. Do you always want the right miracles? No. No. Okay, have you had miracles that you thought you didn't like and then they turned out to actually be good? Yes, yes they're called kids, right? Well, the kids are taking a beating today, aren't they? Be nice, Scott. Um, but we want miracles, right? We, we find ourselves wanting miracles. 
That's us, right? First, first fill in there. Wanting miracles. I just, we just established that this is our condition. We're, we're wanting miracles, people. If we're wanting miracles, people, how do we avoid buying the wrong bread like so many characters in the story? we got to acknowledge that when we want miracles, it blinds us. Do we have people in the passage that were blinded by what they wanted, what they saw? This is very ironic. What they saw blinded them of what they really needed. Right? Um, it blinds us from real. It blinds us from truth. It blinds us from real signs. Or here's the other one I want you to write under. See that underline? You have one on your sheet. Right underneath, write true. Well, which one is it, Scott? It's both. I couldn't, I was really having a hard time choosing. Real or true? Well, they're kind of the same. All right. But I love what Jesus says to him. He says, you know, you, you need to come over here and seek me because you saw signs. There's two ways to take that. There were no signs. Or there were signs. And they didn't really see them. They missed the signs. And I guess that for most of us, for for sure me, when I read passages like this, I miss the signs too. What were the signs? Well, he walked on water. He moved the boat across the lake instantaneously. What was the first one? The, the bread and the fish. And then and we fill everybody, right? Are those the signs? Yes. No. no. Jesus is a sign. Right? The fact that he did it is more of a sign than what happened. I'm, I'm, I have a, a disease when, when something really, really good happens, I enjoy the good thing that happened and, and forget slash ignore slash fail to acknowledge the giver. Like great things happen in my life and I, this happened so many times and I never prayed and thanked him. Ah, oh, man, you missed the sign, Berglin. McFly, figure it out. Wanting miracles blinds us from real signs that happened all through the passage in different ways. Um, and, and it was funny because I think the walking on the water and the boat moving, it, there was almost no commentary. And I wonder if that's because disciples didn't know really what to do with it. John clearly didn't know what to write about it. And maybe it was just God and the Spirit saying, well, don't write much about it because I just want you to see the real sign. A shorter story, you have to focus on only what's there. And when when you're given less to see, it draws your focus in so you got to actually see this was Jesus. That's the value of miracles. You know what we like about miracles is they're supernatural. Get a relationship. I can't believe they like me too. It's a miracle. It's a miracle's extraordinary. 
It's, it's not ordinary. It's extra ordinary. Right? We, we love that because it's beyond normal. And when beyond normal happens, you know, I went in, I, I got bad scores and bad test results and the x-rays and da da And then one day I walked in and the doctor said, you're clean. I asked him how it happened. He doesn't know. What do we love about that? It's a miracle. Why does God do that? Why, why, why would He do extraordinary, beyond normal? One, because we enjoy it. And two, because when it happens, there's only one explanation. Well, it's a miracle. It's what we come up with. But who's the, who's the author of miracles? Right? So we've, we've got to look at miracles as being Jesus and how He does that and, and ask the question, is he, is he still doing that? You know, how, how do you access it? What do you ask for? What do you acknowledge? What do you thank Him for post facto? It's, it's, a, it's a tough question. It's funny, I was looking through this passage and uh, I'm a little weird in the way that I study, but I started looking at all the different times it said bread. And then I cheated because I started looking at, well, it says manna once and then it says loaves also. I counted them all. 14 times that I can count. I'm a little rough on the counting, so if you go and you find 15, congratulations. Okay. But it's like you got all these mentions of bread. Weren't there fish? We have to mention the fish like once or twice and then we chucked them out. They're not even mentioned anymore. It, it, for me, it accentuated this idea that there was more going on the sign. If they really wanted to talk about the sign, the physical part of the sign, they would have talked about the fish more because there was loaves and fish. And yet the fish get left out. And then Jesus says, hey, you're, you're, you're looking at the wrong sign. You came here because you wanted bread? Right? Even Jesus doesn't mention the fish in that sentence. And he's trying to get us to the point, second point here, is that Jesus is the sign. I put all caps for the the in my version. Put all caps in your version. Because we are accentuating the definite article. Uh, Scott, could you say that in English? When, when you get the car you wanted, there's only one, right? I think there's um, a great argument in this passage. Were there signs or a sign? Well, I don't really understand the question, Scott, because there was a walking on the water, there was the legs and the fish, and there was the boat moving. Yeah, that would be plural. But really, there's only one sign. Because what's the common denominator in all those instances? Jesus. Jesus? We have to, we have to figure out how do we incorporate that into our perception of ordinary or normal? Even harder, want. Dirty four-letter word, want. 
How do, we, how do we put Jesus as the sign in the middle of all the different variables, uh, equations, and things that we're in? All the pictures we're painting. and The songs we're trying to choreograph. The relationships we're trying to foster. I love that Jesus is kindly, calmly walking through the whole thing going, ah, you'll, you'll get it eventually. You're looking at the wrong signs. You know, you're really trying to buy the wrong bread. I'm the bread. If you look at the top of the outline, it says Matthew, or John chapter 6, verse 1 through 35, and then it says, buying the wrong bread. I've known I've done this for a really, really, really long time. This week is when I put words to it that were, I buy the wrong bread. really easy to do I came from the grocery store the list was very clear wheat bread blah 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 sourdough did you did you know that it is possible to buy the wrong wheat bread and at the same time catastrophically fail on the sourdough bread that you bought I brought wheat bread and sourdough bread and I got them both wrong Two strikes. I was like, don't you dare ask for white bread. <laughs> Can't get three strikes around. It's the same way in our relationship with the Lord. He's asking for something and you're like, oh. And we're too quick to jump into want or perception. Um, I, I love last week, I believe, uh, let me see how we said it last week one of the feelings last week we talked about the idea uh no two weeks ago no yeah last week that he wants to heal our perception how many times our perceptions what's wrong i just love that because he's still working on it in this passage with these disciples guess what's going to happen in the next 30 some odd verses more perception healing yeah, he's going to show that he's the sign. All right, last one. Let's wrap it up, and then what's for lunch, right? Uh, let Jesus be your bread. That's super simple. And yet, catastrophically difficult. How do we have him be the thing we pursue like we pursue bread? Uh, for them, you understand bread, that's life. It's It's like... Top of the heap. It's worth its weight in gold back then. In fact, they literally bought bread with gold back then. You get a lot of bread for your gold, but we have all kinds of things today that are really, really important to us. Making Jesus your bread is really about making Jesus more important than all the things. That's why I can tease about my kids. Do I love them? Yes. Well, only the women answered. <laughs> that was weird. Um, I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my job. I kind of like my body. Um, I'm starting to figure out God's more important than all of them. I'm working on it. I'm training for it. I, how does he take first place 
In fact, one of the epistles says it this way, that he might come to have first place in all things. That's how Paul says it. And the disciples were, were really having a hard time. The crowd was really having a hard time too, but they're starting to get it. Um, by, by the way, did, did they ever get it? Some? Kind of? Did anybody ever get it 100%? What do you do with that? Did, did anybody ever have Jesus as their, as their bread? That's, that's it. Top of the heap. No. So what do we do with that? What do you do with that? Well, I, I can never get there. Keep trying what? Why? If I can never get there, why, why keep trying? Can you guys tell how much fun I have up here? Um, we stop trying to be perfect. We stop trying to totally understand or have it complete and whole. We start trying to enjoy the process and Him who it is we interact with. We let failure happen. When things go a different way, I, a friend of mine likes to say, well, acceptance is the answer. And I work on my perception. And I move forward with Him. Hey, thank you for coming. Da -da -da. Last song. Hey, Scott, come up. Okay. All right. I say some little cute thing about the thing, and then I say, may he, and then go with him. That's the whole thing right there in three words. Um, I'm really glad student ministry isn't here this weekend. but I'm going to miss him today. Because at the end, when I go, go with him. And you guys seldom get to see this, but sometimes they're up in the balcony and they all got their hands up. And go with him. I guess it's been like a cult following thing in student ministry for years now. I never knew. I had three in student ministry that actually live under my roof and they never told me that it's like, for them. they're always walking around, go with him, go with him, you know mocking or whatever or having fun with it and so sacrilegious right I mean, you could get all worked up about it or gosh they're teasing me why do i love it they're having fun with a truth and how do we how do we get that ingrained into us by seeing it reading it saying it living it trying it I mean, that's the only way that this thing starts to work. There's no way you're ever going to know if, if your job's going to work out. So why would you keep trying? Because you get to do the job. You're never, you're never going to know if relationship's going to work out. Why do you do it? Because you get to do the relationship you never ever know if moving to Florida is going to be a good idea. But if you do, you better do it 
That's my own personal shot at Brent Baldwin. Okay. Not Ashley. I love Ashley. Well, I love Brent too, but man, I'm digging a hole here. Uh, he apparently keeps making sightings here and I keep missing him. <laughs> he preaches, I'm gone. And then I show up here and he's off at winter retreat with students, the whole thing. It's like Snuffleupagus. You remember him? Scott, you're doing references that are way too old. One of the things that I love about Brent, I get to sit with him Friday for a minute before he left. I, th I think as best he knows how, he's doing with him. And it was just fun to see him. You know, how's it turn out? Eh, who knows? But when you see his condition, that's the thing. I look at Brian, I talk to Brian, I go, ah, there's, there's God in there. There's God in there. And I want so badly for that to be said when people interact with me. I want so badly for it to be said when people interact with you. And when big stuff happens and fail shows up and stuff hits the fan, whatever it is, you're the person in the environment that goes, is mm, with us in this. So calm the sea and get me to shore. Like that. Amen? Uh, what's your hunger? What's your thirst? What's your boat storm you're in? Because answering those questions help you know what your prayer is. The answer is with him or Jesus, we would have accepted both. Okay? <laughs> Good job, all six of you. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for, um, for being the right bread. Thanks for our relationship being different than the playoffs where we're never one and done. Thanks that in all things, you're with us. I thank you for coming and proving it. Thank you for that question. What sign do you perform? Thank you for everything that you performed. Thank you that you continue to perform. And may we remember that our only perform that matters is to believe, trust in you. If, if you hadn't done that yet, if, if you're still hanging on the edge of that one, it's time. Maybe you, you tell him today, you say, God, with me. Just be with me. I'm with you. You be with me. Calm the storm. Set me straight. Heal my perceptions. Like, come, it change me, Lord. Let me be yours. And then show me how to do that. <laughs>
man, we want to help you if that's you. If you're online and you're doing this, send us a note, huh? In fact, if you're online, just type in a hey so we know you're there. My Father, we thank you that uh, we can, through your Son, ask and receive. I pray for those that are asking today. We thank you for the offering that we're receiving today, Lord, and what a piece it is of what you do here. And I, I pray that like all other things, we be reminded that you are the most important thing that we do and offer here. And so bless what we do uh, and bless all who give and all who can't. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, he turned to the disciples, he said, where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? They could have just turned to him and said, you. May you turn to him. Always. Amen? Go with him. <laughs>